to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you again this morning as we finish this nine-week sermon series we've called Nutrition Facts, talking about the fruit of the Spirit found in the book of Galatians, the letter, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, chapter 5. But before we go to the Word, let us return once again to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God, we ask now as we meditate on your word that you will unveil to us the word you have for each of us. That they're not just words that fall over our ears, but they affect every aspect of our being. Fill our hearts that we may live as you have called us to live, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we have two readings this morning. The first will come from... Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And the second reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and This is the the letter, the section that Paul pulls out in its entirety when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So it's chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Live by the Spirit, I say. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. 
So nine weeks. Eight weeks previously, we've unpacked love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And then fortuitously, somehow, when it comes to self-control, they leave it to me. Why are you laughing? I don't understand it myself. When I think of self-control, I think of temptation. I think of knowing the right thing to do, but also being enticed by the wrong thing. Is it donuts or cake or a piece of fruit? When I'm cut off in congested traffic, which happens a lot here in Atlanta, do I share with that person that cuts me off the universal hand symbol for thank you very much? Or do I keep my hands on the wheel? When I'm in an argument or heated discussion with someone, do I have the self-control to keep that argument or discussion on the topic? Or do I fall to the temptation of making it personal and using hurtful words to score points? That's what I think of when I think of self-control or self-discipline, those kind of situations. But it comes at the end of a list, which for the past eight weeks, we've talked about as the fruit of the Spirit. That makes me wonder. So Cindy and I bought a house here in Roswell. And at the side of the house is a fig tree. Now we came from Tennessee and further north. We never had figs, so I didn't know what to do with the thing. But this year, it has produced prolifically we've eaten a lot of fresh fruit we've given a lot of figs away Cindy has made cakes my daughter made jam when she came in I mean all sorts of figs and they're still coming and guess what I did to help it produce all this fruit nothing not a thing now I could have done some research I knew that we liked figs. I could have done some research, done a little bit of study and said, all right, we have a fig tree. I've never had one before. What do I do to care for it? And I might have tilled the ground around it. I might have given it some fertilizer. I might have pruned it appropriately and learned some things. Even if I had done all that work and all those things, I still would not have been the one that made the fruit. The figs come because it's a fig tree. It's in the DNA of the tree to produce this fruit. But here we have the last of the fruit of the Spirit and it's self-control or self-discipline. How is it a fruit of the Spirit and also self-control or self-discipline? It seems to be a paradox. Perhaps over the past eight weeks The pastors have been misleading you. It's been false advertising. We are the ones that have to do all the work and put in all the effort in order that love, joy, peace, patience, etc. flourish and grow. We have to do these things. It's our work. And we do these things, make this great effort in order that we might be worthy of the name Christian. Perhaps. But Paul, in his writing, his letter to Galatia, makes it very clear. He makes a distinction between work and fruit. That's why I read that whole section to us. He equates work with all the vices. He says, I see the work you are doing. And then he lists 
all those things. And he says, I see the work you're doing, the choices you're making, the lives you are choosing to lead, and these are the results. And they're not good. And it's nothing that God would desire from you. In contrast, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. So it's clearly not work. The first verse I read for you in Ephesians says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, not by works. Why? So that no one can boast. Okay. So it's not works. It is a fruit of the Spirit, but yet it's translated as self-control. The Greek word that's translated self-discipline or self-control is agrateia. I'm no Greek scholar, and this is about as academic as I get, but agrateia is Koine Greek, and it's broken into two parts. En, meaning in the realm of, and kratos, meaning fortitude or steadfastness, strength. So a more helpful rendering might be inner strength, something akin to gumption, guts, resolve. So thinking of self-control in those terms might lead us astray from what Paul's intention is, but understanding it as spiritual gumption might be more helpful. Paul is saying here, the Spirit provides spiritual gumption. And it's important to understand the order in which this fruit of the Spirit is laid out. Before spiritual gumption, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. And Paul is saying, if you want those things to flourish, the foundation is the gumption or fortitude or steadfastness that comes from the Spirit. If you have that as your foundation, these other eight things will flourish. So how does that come about? Perhaps there's nothing for us to do. I mean, it's the fruit of the Spirit. We just need to avail ourselves, open ourselves up to the Spirit of God, and God will bestow all these things on us, and we will there be content and live sanctified, beautiful Christian lives in accord with one another. We just have to open ourselves up. And the love, joy, peace, patience just descends. And possibly historically, we can look at the church and see evidence of that, right? For never in the history of the church has there ever been a time where there's division or animosity Or difficulty, division, separateness in the church, right? You laughed. Why did you laugh? Because we know that's not true, even in our own congregation at times. We don't always get along. Paradox again. How is it that it's a fruit of the Spirit and God bestows it, but it's not automatic? It doesn't happen just naturally in some ways, although it is a consequence of opening ourselves up to the Spirit. We do have some responsibility. 
We have some responsibility to nurture our spiritual lives in such a manner, in such a way that it opens ourselves up to the Spirit and allows the the Spirit of God to produce those things and allow them to thrive and flourish. What does that look like? What are the practices that help us do that? When I was a boy, I grew up in Southern California, a little town called Redlands. California, San Bernardino County. Redlands, California at one time was known as the orange producing capital of the world. Orange groves all over the place. And we had a rather large orange tree in our backyard, but it was pretty unproductive. It was old, had been there a long time. But there were members, people in our church, men who now retired who had worked those orange groves for their careers, for their entire lives. So one day they came to our house. And I remember them coming and looking at that orange tree and observing it and then doing some work on it. They took a hoe and they kind of broke up the ground underneath the canopy. They dug little furrows and channels so that when it rained or my father watered, that the water would be sent to the roots And they took pruning saw and pruning shears and cut that thing back. It was a big tree, and they cut it back drastically, at least to my eyes. And I thought, we're never going to see another orange on that tree. But the next year, it produced such an abundant crop. I was blown away. Hundreds and hundreds of beautiful, sweet, fragrant, delicious oranges from this one tree. Because these men knew how to tend it in order that it would thrive. So how do we tend our own spiritual lives that they may thrive? That we have fertile place, that when the Spirit comes, that the the fruit of the Spirit blossoms. There are lots of lists in Scripture. There's lots of, of readings and thoughts people throughout the history of the church have said these are the practices and there's lots of disciplines or practices my favorite book that kind of encompasses all of them is celebration of discipline by richard foster this is a a classic text written in the 70s and it unpacks 12 different spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that help tend the soil so that We are open and ready when the Spirit comes and the soil is able to produce this fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing easy in here. This is not an easy read. It's not a book that you read through and think, okay, got that, check. Requires some unpacking. This is a lifetime book, really. It's one you keep going back to and say, okay, this is a practice I need to work on. Let me just focus on this one discipline or practice. And the fact that it uses the word discipline, discipline is not something that we generally enjoy. Discipline suggests that it's not going to be quick and it's not going to be easy. We live in an age of instant gratification, a microwave age. We want things now. And so discipline doesn't sound fun. And to celebrate discipline, that's an oxymoron. That makes no sense at all. It's military intelligence or organized chaos. 
So perhaps you grab this book and you unpack it for yourself, or maybe it's a sermon series for a future time. But I encourage you that we do have a responsibility. We do have some work to do. We must nurture a place so that the Spirit can do the work that the Spirit does. And this fruit thrives. As I was reading in preparation for this message, I came across a story of a life of an individual, at least in some instances, that I believe reflects the fruit of the Spirit. Kind of a controversial figure, but in 1962, Martin Luther King was in Birmingham, Alabama. He took the stage to give a speech. Now, as he took the stage to give a speech, someone came out of the crowd, came up on the stage, and hit him hard in the face. Knocked him back. Shock. As he kind of stumbled backwards, he turned his back to the assailant to protect himself. No bodyguards at that time. And so the assailant just kept coming, hitting him on the back and trying to reach around to strike him in the face over and over again. And finally there was one mighty blow and again it kind of knocked Martin Luther King off balance. And at that moment, MLK turned to face his assailant. And as he turned to face his assailant, he dropped his hands. Now everyone in the room anticipated that as MLK turned around, that he would retaliate. This was unprovoked. This was nothing expected. And so he was not a small man. He was able to take care of himself. He could have easily retaliated, but had he done so, he would have undermined the message that he'd been giving all this time because he had been preaching nonviolence, peaceful demonstration. And had he retaliated in like form, And begun a fight there, he would have shown everyone in the room that those were only words. It's only skin deep. But the fact that he turned to face his assailant and dropped his hands, that that was his first instinct, says that went to his core, to his marrow. It was everything that he was. As they grabbed the assailant and kind of took him away, King called out to them, do not harm the man, and actually encouraged those in attendance to pray for him. I got to tell you, when I read that story for the first time, I was not aware of that incident. I wanted to hurt someone. So clearly the Spirit of God still has some work on me, some work to do to allow this fruit of the Spirit to develop. And we know, we know the history, we've read some of the stories. King was by no means perfect. But clearly, he had opened himself up enough to the Spirit of God that some of the fruit of the Spirit was powerful. Patience, kindness, gentleness, all undergirded with egretea. That idea of spiritual fortitude, spiritual gumption. Would that I would be able to respond and have similar growth in my own life. 
So yes, the fruit of the Spirit come as a natural consequence of us availing ourselves, opening ourselves to God. But we do have some responsibility. We must do the work on ourselves to, to allow a fertile place for the Spirit to come and help that fruit thrive. God provides the spiritual gumption to allow that fruit to survive. But we must do some of the work. So let's encourage one another. Let's open ourselves to the Spirit in such a way that we are a demonstration to the world that God absolutely does change lives, even our own. And let's encourage one another to do the same so that everyone in this place is bursting forth with this abundant fruit of the Spirit and goes and shares that in a needy world. Wouldn't that be exciting if this was the place that was known as a community that demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit? Amen. Let me pray. God, we do give you thanks for your word for the blessings that you bestow, bestow on us because you love us. This is a natural consequence of being in a relationship with you. We give you thanks for examples of what that might look like. And we pray that you help us to open ourselves to your spirit, to all that you have for us so that we may be the living demonstration of your love and the transformation that your spirit makes in life. And we pray this in Christ's name. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.